prayer of heaven. And Lord, for you to distribute your goodness, your love, your power, your healing. Oh, we thank you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you are in our midst. And you speak to us.
We are committed to following God's pattern of giving and receiving. We are pleased to generously invest in God's work and expect a rich return. God has provided and freely given to us all things for life and godliness. We give it faith that it is returned to us, shaken down, making room for more. We are fully satisfied to overflow it and running over the top. We shout to you and magnify the Lord, favoring his righteous cause. He is pleased that we prosper. We gladly honor the Lord with our capital, substance, and our income. God fills our accounts abundantly, and we overflow with the fullness of God's Spirit. God enables us to get wealth, increase in wealth, and become very wealthy to establish his covenant. We abound in grace. We are fully supplied for every good work. God multiplies what we give, and we increase our fruit of righteousness. We are blessed with what God has given us. God makes us rich with no regrets. And the victory of our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God. To build a strong body of believers. And to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. As a Christian fellowship, we are preparing God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Okay. I want to say something. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Pastor said, No, you can't. <laughs> The Lord showed me this a while back, but I realized we confessed it, so I, I want to explain it to you so you get the benefit of it, besides just the people that I hang out and teach in small circles. So, when he says that God multiplies what we give, and we increase our fruit of righteousness, when we give seed, God multiplies seeds. The Bible tells us that, right? Well, think of it as a matching donation. Have you ever participated in those things? You know how, like, we have a short amount of time, and if you give $20, it becomes 40 But it, it, is, it is given on your account. Like, in other words, somebody else is matching what you give and doubling it to your account as if you gave 40 Well, God will multiply our seed. It's not multiply our harvest only. He multiplies our seed. So when we sow seed... It gets mul- the seed itself is multiplied. So when we are expecting a harvest, we shouldn't just look for a harvest on the actual seed we sowed, but on the multiplied seed. Because if we don't know this, we could leave that other harvest hanging out there and never receive it. Because we were looking for the harvest on the on the seed we sowed. Amen? So this this is a very important thing. People don't want to talk about money in church. They don't want to talk about multiplication. Well, where else are we going to talk about it? The only kingdom that multiplies good is God. That's the only kingdom. And so if God is multiplying things to us, he expects us to do his will with it. And if we don't and we mess up, he can correct us. We don't have to punish ourselves. <laughs> I think people put themselves in time out when God was like, really? I didn't think it was that bad. This, I'll tell a Gabriel story. Is Gabriel here? Where is Gabriel? Oh, he's in the back. He's in the back. When Gabriel was really little, uh, how old were you? Probably five. I don't remember this. 
he was like five or something, and he we, we he started daycare like before work and after work was weird. But anyway, so one day I have him home with me, and he gets off the bed and he goes to stand in the corner and he's crying. And I said, "Are you okay, Gabriel?" And he turns around and goes, "I just need a minute." He's five and he's speaking to me in this language because I never talked to baby talk. Anyway, since while we were having that talk, I was a little bit rude to you. So I just need to put myself in time out. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back up and, oh, okay. Because I'm thinking to myself, I don't recall anything being rude, but okay. But I think sometimes, you know, he's over it now, but
You know, we, we endeavor to do everything according to the Word. And um, there's always a Word that gives us a reason for what we do. Amen? And uh, when you give to God, I want to encourage you that giving is a privilege. And as Fiona was talking, a farmer never receives a harvest apart from a seed. Amen? Isn't that true? Farmers, if you want a garden, you've got to put seeds in the ground. If you want beautiful flowers in your home, you've got to put seeds in the ground. Or, you know, and uh, so when we give to God, we can give here anytime during the service. We have a seed planter. And uh, we give our tithes, which is the Lord's. A tithe is 10%. We say 10%. 10%. That's the Lord's. Whenever money comes into your hand, whether it comes through a gift or it comes through a transaction, or it comes through uh, doing business or whatever, uh, whatever money comes here, a tenth of that is God's. Well, some people say, I can't tithe. You know if you have a dollar you can tithe? That's a dime. And uh, if you have a dime you can tithe, that's a penny. Amen? So, tithing shows our trust in God. And... Uh, we give with a purpose, a right heart, and a good attitude. We give because we're willing to. Amen? And God really asks us to give of what we're able, not what we're not able. And, uh, you know what's funny? God knows exactly how much you have. Amen? And uh, we should give freely because we have received freely. Amen? Amen? Just some reasons to give. And we should give with a generous mindset. Amen? Amen. Father, I just thank you so much that in your kingdom, you set up a system, a system of heaven that works all the time. It's called giving and receiving. It's called seed time and harvest. And I thank you, Lord, that you bless every sower. You multiply their seed and you increase the fruit of their righteousness and you cause them to abound with your grace and ability in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, we have some uh, awesome kids and kids life teachers in this place. Amen. We want to encourage your kids. Go have a good class. your kids out just to show them that church is fun. Amen. Amen. Were you guys ready this morning? Yep. For the word of God. And uh, it's going to be a a new message this morning and then next week we're going to start talking about the miracles of Christmas. And uh, but uh, God has made it possible you know when you put your trust in something, you want what you put your trust in to be reliable, dependable, something that is going to hold you up and not fail or not betray you. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the trustworthiness of God. The trustworthiness of God. 
Put your trust in God because He cannot fail. And so I want to encourage you this morning about God is someone who is worthy of your trust. He holds your trust in a sacred manner. When anybody puts their trust in God, it will not be in vain. It will accomplish what you set it out to do. You know, we live in a world where there's a lot of things that aren't trustworthy. And when you put your, when you put your trust in something that's not worthy of your trust, it will lead you astray. And uh, watch, watch the niece said this, a person who wholly follows the Lord is one who believes that the promises of God are trustworthy. Do you believe that the promises of God are trustworthy today? Yes. And he said that he is with his people and that they are well able to overcome. You know, when you put your trust in God, you get His resources. You get His power, you get His ability, and you get His results. Amen? And God has made it possible for us, you know, faith only works in something that doesn't change. Right? You don't want to put your faith in something that is constantly or continually changing and because uh, it's not reliable, you don't know where it's going to be tomorrow or the next day. But with God, it's not that way. You know where God is going to be. He's going to be right where He is. Amen. He doesn't move. He doesn't change. All right. I want you to go to First Timothy, chapter one. First Timothy, chapter one, and then we're going to go to chapter four. And Paul was encouraging this young minister in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. He said this, King James says, this is a faithful saying, the original word is trustworthy. See, this is a trustworthy saying and worthy of all acceptance. When something is trustworthy, you can accept it, it can be accepted by all. Okay? It's accepted and approved of all. This is a faithful saying, or a trustworthy saying, worthy of all, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul was referring to that he was the chief sinner. And isn't it true that Jesus, that God, that Jesus came to save sinners? Mm-hmm. Amen? That's a true statement. That's what the gospel is all about. That's why we gather in church. Some of us have already accepted Jesus. And some people who come to church, they need to accept Jesus. But he sent his son to save sinners. Amen? How many are glad that you're saved? Amen. You put your trust in God, and he didn't let you down. Nope. He took your rest. And he gave you beauty for ashes. He gave you joy for mourning. He took our mess and made something great out of us. He took our filthy rags and gave us garments of praise for the beauty of holiness. 
Then he says, verse 16, How then for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe. Did you know that if one person believes in God, everyone can believe in God? That's what, he is trustworthy. He is good for every person. It's not, you know, God's not different in Africa than he is in Palmyra. He's not different in China than he is in Palmyra, right? The same God can do the same things anywhere in the world. Why? He is trustworthy. He is worthy of our trust. He'll never say, God, God. will never betray my trust. And we're going to see that. Then he says, verse 17, Now unto the King eternal. Can you trust someone that's eternal? Yes. Absolutely. How about the King immortal? Man, he died, but he lives. He's still living today. He's going to live forever and ever. Can you trust someone that's immortal? Yeah. He's invisible. Oh, you don't have to see him to trust him. You know why? You can see him in the pages of this book. Sometimes we put too much trust in what we see. He's eternal, he's immortal, he's invisible. The only wise God. There is no other God who's as wise as our God. Actually, there's no other God. Amen? Amen. Can you trust the one who's the only one? He is exclusive in who he is. No one can compare to him. And we've had the privilege of being made in his image. And in his likeness. Notice this now. Be honor and glory until tomorrow. Until next week. Forever. Forever. Oh my goodness, he has no expiration date. Did you trust something that has no expiration date? It's never going to expire. It's never going to fail. It's never going to wear out. It's never going to diminish. That's who God is. And in the world that we live in today, we must be reminded that there is something that there is absolute truth. The world wants to change truth to their situation. The world says, if, if you're one gender, you can just choose to be another gender without even going through the change. That's what they want to promote today. You know what? It's a heavy burden to trust the ungodly for counsel. If you're, the Bible says in Psalm 1, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And you've got to be careful not to do things because you're being counseled by the ungodly. Why? Because they're ungodly. Amen? Alright, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. might be 2 Timothy. 
Oh, yes. It is, it is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Notice what he says here. Refuse profane and old wives' fables. You know, a lot of people put their faith in the wives' fables. What's a fable? It's a myth. It, it, it's not proven. You know, there was, there was a there was a young girl who was preparing a holiday meal with her mom. And her mom would take a knife, and she, she had this beautiful roast, and she would take a knife and cut both ends off. And she would put it in the pot and put it in the oven. And the little girl said, Mom, why do you do that? She said, oh, well, that's how we've always done it. You need to ask Grandma. So the little girl went and found Grandma, and she said, Grandma, how come we cut off the ends of this roast? And, and the grandma said, oh dear, we did that because I didn't have a pot big enough. <laughs> but they kept up the tradition, not knowing why. Amen? What did they tell us to do with fables? Refuse them. Refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself unto godliness, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable in how many things? All things. Aren't you glad that godliness is profitable? Amen. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. See, godliness includes a bonus life. Yeah. The life that now is and the life that is to come. Amen? Verse 9. This is a faithful saying, a trustworthy saying, worthy of all acceptance. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. How many trust in the living God today? Yep. Who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Jesus is the Savior of all men, but only some believe who have received that salvation. There's a lot of people in the world that haven't received yet because they don't believe. Alright? And then he said, these things command and teach. So, he said to his young minister, he said a, a few times, he talked about a trustworthy saying. Trustworthiness is a moral value considered to be a virtue. A trustworthy person is someone you can place your trust and rest assured that your trust will not be betrayed. A trustworthy person can prove their trustworthiness by fulfilling an assigned responsibility. You know, when you give something to God, He says, for example, if you're heavy laden with cares, right? What can we do when we got these cares that we're burdened with? What can we do? Cast them unto Jesus. Why? Because He cares for you. And when we cast our cares to Him, He will take care of it. And that, that makes us carefree. Don't be careful, be carefree. If someone says, be careful, say, no, I'm going to be carefree. Alright? These are just natural definitions here. A trustworthy person 
is someone that you can tell your worries and secrets to and know that they won't repeat them without your permission. Do you realize when you confess your sins to God, He forgets about them and He doesn't remember them anymore? And guess what? He won't distribute them because He forgets about them. Amen? So, this word trustworthy, it means to be faithful. It's a loyalty to faith. Literally, it's fullness of faith. When something is trustworthy, it's fullness of faith. Our God is a God of faith, isn't it? And He gave us the faith to believe in Him, didn't He? Amen? And it's by faith that we please Him. To be this word trustworthy means believing the faith God imparts. Hallelujah. So, we're going to look at some ways that God is faithful or God is trustworthy. When I use the word faithful, it's interchangeable with trustworthy. It's just easier to say faithful. Amen? Alright? Let's go to... 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. And let's see some areas that God is faithful in. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Grace be to you. Who is grace for? Grace is for me. Did God charge you anything for His grace? No. His grace is free. His ability, His favor. When someone gives you free grace, they're trustworthy. Alright? Grace be to you and peace from God our Father. This grace has come to you by God our Father. He is our sponsor of this message today. And from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is an extension of His Father because they are one. And He's distributing the same grace that God gave to us. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given to you by Jesus Christ. Say grace. Is given to me by Jesus Christ. You put your trust in Jesus and God gives you grace. Okay? Verse 5. That in everything you are enriched by Him. How many like to be enriched in everything? Have an enriched marriage. Have an enriched family. Have an enriched career. Have an enriched uh, bank account. Have an enriched mind. Enriched in everything. How do we get that way? By grace. We certainly couldn't earn it. We certainly couldn't buy it. It was simply given to us by God. That's why He's trustworthy. Okay? In all utterance and in all knowledge, you're speaking and you're knowing. Which are two ways that faith is released. We know God and we confess Him as Lord. That's how we release faith. Alright? Verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. The testimony is His message. His message is reliable and it was confirmed in you. 
When NASA, well, I guess it's NASA now or SpaceX, I don't know. When they send a satellite, that satellite gives a signal back to mission control, right? To let them know that that satellite is on track, it's in the right orbit, it's sending back a signal, and God confirms His testimony in us. Amen? His word is alive in us. Okay? So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you to the end. He's going to be with you. Say he's with, he's in it for the he's in it to win it. He's in it to win it. He will confirm it to you to the end. He never leaves you nor forsake you. That makes him trustworthy. Okay. And and so that you'll be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse nine. God is faithful. Say God is faithful. God is faithful. A.K.A. trustworthy. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So God is faithful in fellowship. In other words, what he wanted from you was a relationship. He wanted to be able to communicate. He wanted to be able to exchange ideas. He wanted input into your life. He, he, he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Our God is faithful in fellowship. The whole reason he set this thing up was to fellowship with you, to hang out with you, to be with you, to walk with you, to talk with you. See, God is faithful. He's faithful in fellowship. All right? Go to chapter 11. I'm sorry, chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. Now this list is not conclusive today. These are just some things that God is faithful in. Why? I want, I want to encourage you to forsake the junk of the world and put your trust in God. Amen? You can get more insight from God about what's going on in this world than you can from any other source. Because yep. God knows the end before the beginning. He's got the greater perspective. He, he, is, uh, he is watching in the skybox and we are connected by communication to him. Just like the coaches on the field, right? Then they wear these headsets and they're constantly in communication. Why? Because the skybox gives you a different perspective on the field. See, God knows what's coming ahead. God knows where the traps, where the enemy laid his traps. He, he can help you avoid those traps so that you don't fall into the pit. Amen? I like what, uh, if, if you ever watched the um, Karate Kid series, the old ones with Ralph Macchio, and Mr. Miyagi said, the best way to avoid a punch is not be there. <laughs> so if you know a punch is coming, it's good not to be there. Why? The punch is rendered ineffective. Amen? The Holy Ghost knows how to help you avoid the punches of the enemy. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 
is no temptation taken you but as common to man. Okay? But God is faithful. Say, God is faithful. Whenever we're tempted with something, it's not uncommon. No one has ever been tempted with something that no one else has ever been tempted with. In other words, temptations come in three categories. Your flesh, your pride, and your eye. A, a temptation will affect one of those categories. Okay? And there's no temptation. So, even in temptation, God is faithful. What is He faithful to do? He will suffer you not to be tempted above that you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Oh my goodness! God provided us with an ejection seat. That when we're heading into a temptation, into something that we shouldn't be involved in, something that we shouldn't trust in, something that we shouldn't do, He, with the temptation, He makes a way to escape. Say, there's always a way out. You can never say the devil made me do it. He doesn't have that much power. But God is faithful to make a way out. Aren't you glad for that? How did God make a way out of Egypt? Through a way that no one ever thought of, the Red Sea. Amen? How did God make an escape of Joseph being tempted by Potiphar's wife? Walk away. Amen? That was his way out. God always makes a way of escape. When you're tempted to make a wrong decision. See, all the enemy can do is give you a, a thought or an idea or a suggestion. He can't make you do it. But he presents you with the opportunity to do it. But when you're rooted and grounded in him, right, you'll recognize the escape way or the escape hatch. Okay? And there's always a way out. So God is faithful to escape temptation. Here's what the, the Passion Translation says. We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. Everybody said normal. normal. What you're going through is not unique to you. Someone else has gone through it too. Okay? But God will be faithful to you. This is a passion translation. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. What does it mean to bear it? To overcome it. To win in it. Amen? Each test is an opportunity to trust Him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. That's the Passion Translation. And here's the Amplified. Okay? No temptation, no trial regarded as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, 
has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance. And that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience. And such, uh, uh, and such as man can bear, but God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature. And he can be trusted. Say, my God can be trusted. Then it says, not to let you be tempted and tried in the same beyond your ability, and strength and resistance and power to endure, but with the temptation he will always, everybody say always. Does that not speak to the faithfulness of God? Always. He's always on time. He's always there. He's always helpful. He's always ready to move on your behalf. That's why he's trustworthy. Okay? He'll always provide the way out, the means to the means of escape, uh, a, a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear it up patiently. Hallelujah. Go to Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. What else is God faithful to? Or what is he trustworthy in? Second Peter chapter one. We gotta stop trusting the world to solve our spiritual problems. The world has no ability to help you in your spiritual problems. The world can't tell you how to worship. The world can't tell you where you should worship. The world can't, I mean, they tried it with the apostles, didn't they, in Acts 3? Don't speak about the resurrection anymore! And Peter said, well, I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to obey God. They had a mandate from the civil government to not preach in the resurrection. And Peter said, I don't know about you, but I'm going to believe God. Daniel had a mandate not to pray. And Daniel said, I'm going to pray. And he was a government official. He actually read the law when the king signed it. When should you obey the civil government? When they agree with God. When should you disobey the civil government? When they disagree with God. We would not have a country if a group of people didn't disagree with the government that wasn't obeying God. Right. Would we? See, there is a pressure from the enemy for you to conform to the world. The devil would love for you to squeeze you into its mold. The cookie cutter person, the godless person, the, uh, you know, if godliness is profitable, then ungodliness is unprofitable. So, we have to determine what we're trusting in. That's why I'm saying this today. 
This is what God put on my heart. Second Peter chapter one, verse sixteen. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. You know, the Bible is not Aesop's fables. I don't know if some of you don't know what Aesop's fables is, but uh, when I was a young boy, I used to watch Aesop's fables, and um, this guy would get, uh, he, he would time travel, and uh, he had this little professor, and he would, they would always learn a lesson, you know, and uh, he, he would say, oh, please take me away, take me away, and then he'd come back to the right time. <laughs> Now, Peter is writing this because Peter saw the Lord in all of his glory before he left this earth on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John were given a front row seat as the Lord stood before them and he was transformed into all of his glory. The bright light, the brilliance, the sparkliness. And along with Jesus was Moses and Elijah. They were talking. Right? You can read it. It's, it's listed in three of the Gospels, the Mount of Transfiguration. So Peter's writing this with this revelation. We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Do they not use eyewitnesses to prove a court case? For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. I like that. From the majestic glory. God spoke out of majestic and excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 18. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Verse 19, we also, we have also a more sure word of prophet. Everybody say sure word. Sure. That phrase, sure word, is trustworthy. Did you know the Bible is sure? The Bible is for certain. Out of all the years the Bible has been in existence, it hasn't needed to change. It hasn't needed any. Now, translations have changed, but the content of the message has not. Alright? Because the way we speak today is not how we spoke in 1600s with Elizabethan English. There was a time when everybody was Shakespeare. <laughs> Those and thou's and these and berries, you know? I mean, the King James Bible was written in 1611. But say, I have a sure word. I have a sure word. You know, people who long for a word of God, you've got it right there in your hands. If you're not doing this, God has nothing else to say to you. But when you do this, you speak his language and you'll hear more things from him. Okay? Verse 19. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed. You do well to take heed to the Bible. Jesus is the only way to heaven. We, we, do, we, we do well to take heed to that. There is no other way to God. 
Christianity is not about going to church. It's about having a relationship, but church is a part of it. As a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. That simply means the Bible interprets itself. If it's only listed one time in one paragraph in one sentence in the Bible, you don't necessarily need to make a doctrine out of it. But if you find something in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and mentioned by several people, that's probably a good thing to make a doctrine out of. It's of no private interpretation. Well, I think this is what I think. Well, the Bible stop right there. I don't want to hear what you think. It's not about what you think. It's about what he said. Let's just take God at his word. Amen. Amen? Now, does that mean we can't think about the word? No. But what's gonna what's gonna change? My opinion of what it says or what it says? What it says, right? Verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Peter didn't say, you know what, I'm gonna write a book. And I'm gonna call it Peter. <laughs> he did not come up with that idea. Peter was a fisherman. And this fisherman met Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus. He left the fishing business and became a preacher. And God, through the Holy Ghost, told him to write this book. And it was God who put this book in the book for us today. Paul didn't say, I'm going to sit down and write half the New Testament. It did not come by the will of man. Say, the Bible is God's word. It's God speaking to me. I take God at His Word. His Word is precious. His Word is life. His Word is health. His Word is power to me. And all you've got to do is believe it. Trust it. See, belief is trust. Some things that you put your trust in, you don't know how they're going to work out. When you got married, you didn't really know how it was going to work out, did you? <laughs> Part way in, you're like, what did I do? Really? <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm just giving an example. <laughs> But see, with God, you know what you're getting into. You're getting into a solid rock. Now, this platform was built. We do not want our musicians walking on the platform going like this. You know, bouncing up and down. Right? What do they do? They're rocking to the music. Man, that music must be good. Look at those, look at those musicians. No. We want the foundation of this platform to be solid. Because... Something that's solid carries weight. Mm-hmm. See, you want to build a house on a firm foundation, not a uh, faulty foundation. Amen. Right? See, because a good foundation brings stability. A good foundation brings... How do we want to sleep on a bed wondering whether or not it's going to fall to the floor? <laughs> Something going to hold me up? You know? 
See, a firm foundation helps you rest secure. A firm foundation is necessary for expansion. If a company has a firm foundation, they can expand, right? McDonald's, Ray Kroc, I want to offer good food cheap. Okay? Do you realize you can go to a McDonald's here or in California and it's pretty much the same? They have the same colors or similar color pattern. They have the same food, right? Same thing. Why? He built a foundation. And on that foundation was able to expand that business and it can work anywhere. I went to a McDonald's in the Czech Republic. They had a few different things that they offered on that menu, but they offered wine on that menu. I didn't get it at that time. But, <laughs> but see, when you have a good foundation, you can expand. But if your foundation isn't good, who wants to duplicate a faulty foundation? Let's duplicate something that's going to fall apart. It's called baby child. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Listen, I've had some shoes that were made in China. They didn't hold up too well. Alright. So, he had a sure word. The Bible is not fiction, it's divine fact. It's not made up. The story of Jonah and the whale is not made up. That actually happened. A man actually was thrown overboard and got swallowed by a big fish and spent three days in the... How can that, how can that be? God. Anytime God wants to supernaturally act, He can. I mean, if He prepared a fish for Jonah to be in, He prepared a fish for Jonah to be in. But that actually, that actually happened. Do you realize, when I was in high school, I went, I, I went to a Catholic school of my choice because I liked the smaller school. <laughs> and um, one time we were in this class, I don't know if it was Bible class, I don't know what class it was, but they were talking about the miracle of Israel going through the Red Sea. And they were saying, well, you know, some people say that it was the Sea of Reeds that they actually went through, which was only knee-deep. They didn't actually, and I'm thinking, well, that's a greater miracle. How did the entire Egyptian army drown in deep, deep water? That's a greater miracle. And then, come on, let's get this water in our lungs so we can drown. It's kind of hard to drown in deep, deep water, isn't it? But see, the world tries to explain miracles away. That's an actual thought that some philosopher had somewhere. You know, the Bible warns you about philosophies yep. of men that, that have no divine influence. You know, an education is good, but an education without revelation is not so good. And people put their trust in the education. Listen, I have a degree in business. My wife's getting a doctorate degree. Pretty soon she's going to be Dr. Pastor Prophet <laughs> She'd be like, Dr. Rod, have more degrees in the thermometer. (laughs) 
But I want you to see that God is faithful. He's faithful to his truth. You know, he is so faithful to the truth that Jesus said, I am the truth. Mm-hmm. That's how faithful he is to the truth. And you can only dispel a lie with the truth. You know, you can't fight a lie with a lie. You can only fight a lie with the truth. And God is so faithful to the truth that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, uh, see, the truth leads to the Father, and the Father validates the truth. Jesus is the truth. We have the spirit of truth, right? That makes him reliable. Did you know what happens when you know the truth? You shall know the truth, and the truth will. So, if knowing the truth sets you free, what about knowing a lie? What does that do? It it binds you. It puts you in shackles. And so many people are bound by lies. There's false religions that are based entirely on lies. Mm There's things in our government that are entirely lies. And the only way to know the difference is if you know the truth. You have to be invested in the truth. You have to be a part owner of the truth. You have to be a stockholder in the truth. Amen. That means a born again, spirit filled Christian in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's what we have to do. That's what it means to be an invested stockholder. Did you know you get stock when you're born again? God gives you stock in his kingdom. He gives you the key to his house. He gives you free access to the CEO of the kingdom of heaven. God, anytime, any place, you can go into his executive office called the Holy of Holies. And you and him can discuss everything that you want. He knows all the answers. He has all the goods. Hallelujah. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you a couple examples here in just a moment of people putting their trust in God, needing no other evidence other than what he said. That's how we've got to trust God's word. If God said it, we just need to embrace it, believe it, accept it, and that's it. Amen? Amen. God's not going to change from His Word. Okay? Alright, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 18 to 22. But as God is true, say God is true. Our word toward you was not Yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timothy, Silvanus is Silas, by the way, Paul and Silas, and uh, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. So in him was yes. God agrees with every one of his promises that he made. God personally backs up every promise that he made to us. Alright? You can put your faith in his promises. All of his 
promises are yes and amen. Yes and so be it. Alright, verse 20. All the promises of God in Him. That's the key. In Him. When you put your trust in Christ, that's where they are. Alright? Are yes and amen unto the glory of God by us. Verse 21. Now He which established us with you is Christ and has anointed us with is God. You know, when you trust, you can trust something that's established. Amen? God has proven. Matter of fact, I mean, there has not been a greater best-selling book ever. I mean, there have been some books that have sold a lot, but none can compare to the amount of Bibles that have been sold, printed, and distributed in the world. Okay? He also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Boy, if we just have a down payment, imagine what we can do with the full thing. Right. When are we going to get the full thing? When Jesus comes again and we, we get our glorified body. That's the full thing. Amen? So God is faithful to His promises. Alright? Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Or, I'm sorry, verse 19. Hebrews 10, 19. It says this, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holy... You know another word for boldness is confidence. Another word for confidence is faith. Having faith, having boldness, having confidence to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You have been granted access by God to come into the holiest place by the blood of Jesus. You can say, because I've been washing the blood, I can come in. Amen? That's, that's so awesome how God has given us access to this. Alright? Then he said, uh, he said, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Oh, aren't you glad we have a high priest? Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Only God can clean the conscience. Yep. Verse 23, let us, lay hold, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? For he is faithful that promised. He is trustworthy that promised. Amen? He, you can trust his promise because of the one who made the promise. He is faithful who promised. God's faithful to his promises. Mm -hmm. And then he made a covenant for us. You know how Sarah gained strength to conceive when she was 90? If you read in Hebrews 11, 11, it says she considered him faithful or she judged him faithful. What does that mean? She said, God, I know that you, what you said, you're going to perform. What you said is true, and what you said, you're going to do. What you, say, what God said is true, and what he said, he will do. And when she did that, when she began to consider him faithful, she judged him faithful, what happened? Strength came to her. She was thinking on the faithfulness of God. She wasn't thinking how good Abraham was, how good Abraham looked. That came afterwards. 
you got some strength. She's like, oh, honey, come here, baby. But what gave her the strength? She considered God faithful. She began to think about all the places, all the things that God said to them. In all the years that they've walked with God. Everything that God said came to pass. So why wouldn't she get strength to receive? Same thing. But she considered him faithful. She realized, and Abraham did too, if you read Romans 4, they considered that they put their faith in the promise of God. They fully trusted. Because God is trustworthy. Say, God cannot fail me. God will fail me. Alright? Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Let me give you a good example of this. Someone who trusted God. John chapter 4 and verse uh, 45. Then when he was coming to Galilee, anybody know what happened in Galilee? What happened in Galilee before this? His first miracle. He turned water into wine. There was a wedding at Cana of Galilee. And that was where Jesus had, he was filled with the Holy Ghost and he had performed his first miracle. Right? Jesus did not perform miracles when he was 12. Because the Bible said this was his first miracle. Okay? So now, he's back in Canaan. So everyone who heard about what happened at the wedding was in tune with what he might do right now. Okay? So he comes back to Canaan, a Galilee. The Galileans received him. I bet they did. You know, people were not silent about what happened at that wedding. I went to a wedding where Jesus provided party supplies. Or he made wine. Okay? The Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast. Let me say all the things. All the things. He might have done some more things other than make water and wine. They saw all the things that he did. Okay? For they also went unto the feast. So everybody who was at the party knew what happened at the party. Amen? So Jesus came into Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him. What did he hear? He heard that Jesus was there. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Word. It's what he heard about the word that caused him to take the action that he did. Okay? He's about to put his trust in the word. Because Jesus is the word. Okay? And uh, he besought him that he would come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Everybody say the point of death. Wouldn't you want to be with someone at the point of death? But the father wasn't accepting the death. He knew that the word could change it. So he was with the word. 
Well, I can't believe he did that. Why? Well, watch what happens. There was something that the father knew about the word that sparked a confidence in him, that gave him an assurance, that gave him a certainty, that gave him hope, that gave him an anchor to his soul. There was something about the word that he heard. He knew that it was a sure word. It was a reliable word. It was a dependable word. It was a faithful word. It was a trustworthy word. Worthy of his trust. Then Jesus said unto him, Except you see see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down before my child dies. He didn't say, no, I'm not looking for a sign. He just, he just stuck on the word. Come. He, he wanted the presence of the word. Okay? Then, uh, then Jesus said unto him, what did Jesus do? Jesus said, Jesus didn't pray with him. Jesus didn't touch him. All Jesus did was spoke to him. Okay? What did Jesus say? It's important. Go your way, your son lives. And the man, what did the man do? The man what? He put his trust in the word. He's coming to Jesus. He wants Jesus to come to him, to his house. Jesus didn't come with him, but Jesus sent his word. What happens when he sends his word? He sent his word and healed them. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was sending his word. Oh my goodness. When Jesus sends his word, it's like him showing up. He told the man to go, your son lives. And the Bible says that he believed. So, should he stay there any longer? No, he should go. Going shows trust in the word. Okay? The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. Oh my goodness. Would you be able to go in the word, in the strength of that word, the spoken word, would you be able to go knowing that that word just performed a miracle? And when he was going, down his servants met him and told him, saying, your son what? Isn't that what the word said? The word said, go, your son lives. So he had to go in the confidence and in the trust of that word. Okay? So, he inquired of them. The hour when he began to amend. Everybody said, began to amend. And they said unto him, yesterday, at the seventh hour, it took him a day to get home. It was a little bit of a distance. Okay? Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Your son lives. Oh my goodness. The very moment that the word was spoken and released from the mouth of Jesus, it began to take effect. It began to amend the situation. It began to change the situation. And the father, he gets there the next day, and he's walking home. He's thinking, imagine what he was thinking on his mind. 
It's not going to work for you. He had to go with the confidence of that word. He had to go trusting. He had no other evidence. He had no other sign. He didn't have a choir of angels appear and sing, Kumbaya. <laughs> right? All he had was the word of the word. It was the pure word. It was straight from the source. So he's walking home, and they meet him and they say, your son lives. When, when did he, when did he get at the seventh hour? That is the, the moment that Jesus spoke. The moment the word was released, there was power there that began to work. Someone say amen. amen. Now, and himself believed, and, and, what? His whole house. Because why? When he got home, he told him what Jesus said. He said, I went to Jesus, and he said, go, your son lives. So I went, knowing that my son lives. And my, thank you, Lord, my son lives. Thank you, Lord, my son lives. Thank you, Lord, my son lives. He gets home, his son's living. Why? Because he's trusting in that word. And his whole house. Because he told them the story. And guess what? They believed too. Amen? This is the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Second miracle. Amen? See, here's the thing. God is immutable. What does that mean? It's found in Hebrews 6. He doesn't change his purpose. He doesn't change his nature or his character. He is not a man that he should lie. Because God doesn't lie, you can trust him. Amen? He has no darkness. Jesus said, there is no darkness in me. A lie is darkness. Something that would be not worthy to trust is darkness. Right? But Jesus said, there's no darkness in me. And therefore, he is trustworthy. Amen? So, God's not going to change his purpose. God's not, now, you might say, well, how come when, when, when Jonah was sent to the Ninevites, how come God changed his mind and he didn't destroy them? Purpose, his purpose is that no man should perish. Right? And he always gives people an opportunity to repent. He always gives people an opportunity to get right with God. Right? And so he sent Jonah as the final act of mercy 40 days before they were about to be destroyed. And they repented. They responded to the word of God. Therefore, they changed. But God didn't change his purpose. Yes, he didn't destroy them, but his purpose was that they be saved. And unless they turned to him and trust him, then they would be destroyed. But he gave them the opportunity to turn. Amen? So, our God is faithful. He's faithful. He's the faithful high priest. You can bring to him any problem. Amen? He's the, in Revelation, he's called the faithful witness. He's the faithful witness. In him who was, him who is, who was, and who is to come. From the seven spirits who were before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. He is a faithful witness. What does that mean? His testimony is always true. He cannot, I say God, cannot, cannot. lie. 
Matter of fact, Proverbs 6 says he hates lies. It's one of the things that take him off. He hates lies. Why? The devil is a liar. He's the father of lies. The Bible says he's the father of lies. Lies come from the enemy. Any person who lies is in agreement with the devil. Can you say amen? Amen. So I've given you reasons why that God is trustworthy. I can give you reasons why, but you've got to decide whether or not he's trustworthy for you. Is he someone that you can trust? Is he someone, do you value his word enough that you trust it and accept it as it is? When God says you're healed, do you accept that you're healed? When God says you're forgiven, do you accept that you're forgiven? Do you feel like you've got to beat yourself up a little bit more? I wasn't good enough to beat myself up. No. But that's sometimes that's what we do, isn't it? The devil has convinced us that we're not good enough when God says you are good enough. And we just got to trust him. Amen? And there's so many people that aren't trusting God today. People make decisions in their life and they don't seek God. They don't seek His will. They don't seek His counsel. They're making decisions based on external information. And God is not involved. The Word of God is not involved. The Holy Ghost is not involved. And they're making decisions. And those decisions have consequences. And those consequences could be good or bad. Amen? If you're going to live your life, every believer in Christ needs to seek God. We need to put God first. Amen? You need to live for God. There's no other... There's nothing that we could do that is going to promote eternal life than what we do for God. Amen? Say this with me. Say, as of today, I'm trusting the Word. It will not fail. It cannot lie. The Word of God is my sure foundation. Today, I put my trust in the Lord. I give Him complete control to influence my life. I will listen to Him. I will do what He says. I will be who He says to be. I will go where He says go. I will do where he says, what he says do. I trust him completely. With my whole heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our God is trustworthy. He is worthy of our trust. Is there anybody here that's dealing with any kind of physical weakness or infirmity? Sickness, disease, weakness, or infirmity. If you are, I want you to stand up. And we have a more sure word of prophecy. Prophecy is inspired utterance. Amen? And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, 
that by his stripes, you know, Jesus willingly took stripes on his back, 39 stripes with a cat of nine tails. And when that whip was brought on his back, it tore the skin from his back. Because they usually put all kinds of stuff at the end of those things. And with each tear of the skin, the blood of the lamb was poured out. And that blood brings healing as much as it brings salvation. Because healing and salvation are the same thing. Remember that Jesus said that the man who was lowered down from the room, he said, your sins are forgiven. Then he says, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to rise up and walk? Since today, you poor woman, since today, I'm rising up and I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk in health. I'm going to walk in strength. The Lord my God, His holy word, is medicine to all my flesh, to all my organs, to all my systems, and it produces life. I'm getting a life transfusion today. I receive my healing from my healer in the name of Jesus. Just like you got saved, confess the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be, shall be saved. Everyone who calls themselves healed shall be healed in the name of Jesus. Yeah, but my body disagrees. Yeah, but your body is not in control. Your spirit is in control by the word of God in the name of Jesus. I declare right now, Father, that you send healing to these people. They are already healed. They're not trying to get healed. Everything that Jesus did. 
God is the one thing. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. He will never let you down. He will never betray you. He will never lie to you. But He is compassionate. He wants us to adhere to His rules, but He is compassionate. He knows our framework. He knows we need His help. That's why 1 John 1 9 says when we confess our sins, He is what? He is faithful. He is trustworthy and just, not only to forgive you, but to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He is faithful to forgive. He's a very present help in trouble. He's faithful to help. And he's got the power and the strength to do it. Amen. He's faithful to prosper you. He's faithful to increase you. He's faithful. He's the only hope and cure that there is. He is the only trustworthy cure that there is for any disease and any sickness in the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've tested positive for faith. Amen? I'm going to social distance from sin. I'm going to social distance from gossip. I'm going to social distance from hatred and bigotry and racism. I'm going to social distance from the devil. Amen. God bless you. Go trust in God. 